Staying true to America's national destiny, the voice of the awakening. Your host, Bishop E. W. Jackson. So the poor could come and get whatever they need. Amen? Amen. And, and what would happen is that the outer garment of, of the, I think this is true for males and females, could be lifted up and turned into a basket. And that people would basically pour, put corn or put, put grain or put something in there. And you held that, the outer garments, and what it says, put into your bosom because a person would be holding that up and you'd put into it. And then what they would do, they shake it. And then it would, you know, the corn would shake down and the wheat would shake down. And then you put some more in. And that's what Jesus was getting at. People would have been quite familiar with that in his time. People are not that familiar with it today. But he says, good measure, press down, meaning what? Press it down. I can get some more in there. <laughs> and then shake it together, shake it down. <laughs> Amen. And then look, running over, running over. So when you try to walk with it, something's spilling out. Something's picking that up and putting, putting, putting it back in. It's a, it's a picture of just great abundance. Amen. 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 Now, that's an illustration that has to be explained because most people don't think that way. That's, you know, we, 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 that's just not something that's familiar to us. But most of the time, Jesus used illustrations that are universal for all time. And in fact, he used nature a lot because nature doesn't change. And so an illustration for out of nature 2,000 years ago, we would understand today, and we do. Because what's the natural illustration that is most often used, in fact, I would say is central to the teaching of the kingdom of God. It is sowing and reaping. Or we would call it planting and harvesting. Now, you know, I say that and nobody has to explain that. People understood it 2,000 years ago and they understand that today. Amen? Everybody understands that a farmer harvests what he plants. He doesn't plant anything. He doesn't harvest anything. Amen? Amen. So no, that's a natural illustration that you could have people from two different eras who could talk to each other and completely understand what we're talking about. Amen. Amen. Genesis 8:22 says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night shall not cease. So that is given in the book of Genesis as a universal principle that never changes. Seed time and harvest. Look, the principle of life is seed time and harvest. I mean, think about that. That's the principle of life. Um, God ordained that both physical life and spiritual life would be governed by seed time and harvest. Right? Every living thing comes from a seed, right? Including us. <laughs> Amen. Now, we know God originally made us, but after that, we come from the seed. Amen? Uh, the, 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 the egg and the spermatozoa come together, and we emerge from that. Amen? Amen. And certainly every flower you see, every plant you see, every tree you see, it came from a seed. Amen. Every animal you see came from a seed. Amen? Amen. Everything was created, every living thing was created to produce after its own kind. You know, which is why every time I hear this stuff of, it's not that an unborn child is not a baby. Well, what is it? Yeah. I mean, it's not a monkey. It's not a cat. <laughs> because God already ordained that everyone produces after their own kind. So it really is a human being from the moment of conception. Amen. It's just a human being in development. Amen.
in the same way that a baby can't quote Shakespeare. But maybe one day he will. That doesn't make him less human. <laughs> in fact, he may not even be able to, he can't speak at all initially, but that doesn't make him less human. That's just the stage of development he's in. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise God. That's a, that, that, is, that is a human being. And I'll tell you the truth. I was been meditating on this this week. You know what I believe? I believe that we need, since everybody's talking about the fact that America's more pro-life now than we've ever been, we need a constitutional amendment that defines life as beginning at conception and protects the lives of unborn children. Amen. And that would put all, that would put Roe v. Wade to an end. Praise God. Amen. Amen. All right. Now look, this truth is essential to understanding discipleship and kingdom living. I'll show you how essential it was. Jesus in Mark chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, Mark chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, said, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that somewhat seed fell by the wayside. And of course, then he goes on to describe the various places that the seed landed. But when the disciples were puzzled by this, Jesus explained to them in Mark 4, 13, he said, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? I mean, think about this. Jesus says to them, if you don't get this one, you won't get any. Which means this parable of the seed sower, sowing, is essential to understanding everything in the kingdom. Then in Luke 8, 11, Jesus explained to them, the seed is the word of God. So in the kingdom, what I'm doing right now from a kingdom perspective is I'm sowing seed into your hearts, the living word of the living God. Amen. So, so this is a principle of the kingdom and it's a principle of, of physical life. So therefore, it's a principle of life, isn't it? It's a principle of life. And God's kingdom obviously works by this principle. Everything in the natural and the spiritual world works by this principle. And by the way, it works both in the positive and in the negative. Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Now, wow, that's a powerful verse because you know what God is saying? He's saying, if that doesn't come to pass, if that's not true, that's a mocking of God. And you know God's not mocked. That means, in other words, what he's saying is, you can rely on this. This is absolutely true. This is what we then call a spiritual law given by God. Everything you say, everything you do, everything you give, everything you give out is a seed. And it's going to bring a harvest for good or for bad. See, that's what that verse is saying. Whatever you sow, you sow good stuff, you're going to reap good stuff. You sow bad stuff, you're going to reap bad stuff. In fact, it goes on to say in verses 8 through 9, for he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. In other words, he who sows to the world's values, the world's attitudes, the world's norms, the world's trends, the world's sins. In other words, you invest in that, you commit to that, you support that, you help that, you're going to reap that. Sowing to the flesh. But he who sows to the spirit 
will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. See, the world is in decay. And if you're sowing into that decay, you're going to reap decay. Amen? But if you're sowing into what is eternal and the Spirit of God is eternal life, if you're sowing into that, you're going to reap eternal life. John, uh, 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17 says, sort of underscores this point when it says, so love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, are not of the Father but of the world, and the world what? Is passing away. It's going. I mean, why are you hooking, why would anybody hook your wagon to a, 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 a crashing train? I mean, you know the thing's headed off the cliff and you hook yourself up to it. Yeah, I want to be part of that. That's what the word is saying here. The world is passing away. It says, but he who does the will of God abides forever. He who sows to the spirit. See, same principle, right? Amen? Same principle. He who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. Now, everlasting life is not when I die, I go to heaven. That's part of it, yes. But that's... Look, everlasting life is now. If you're saved, you're already living eternally. Amen. You're already in everlasting life because, look, everlasting life is not simply about quantity of life. It's about quality of life. And you're already living eternal life. In other words, you're already experiencing a quality of life. It's available to you anyway that the world doesn't understand. Because you're walking and talking with Jesus. You're in God. You're in Christ. You've got the love of God down on the inside of you, the power of God. The exceedingly abundant above all that we ask or think is available to you according to what? The power that works in us. I said uh, on prayer, I think it was this morning, I, I might have said that, um, you know, this past week I hurt my shoulder. I don't know how I hurt it. But I mean, I hurt it so bad that any little movement in my shoulder was bothering. I mean, it was, it was, it was hurting. And I, I just wrote, I said, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I'm not injured. I'm not, I'm not sick. I, the Bible says we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Amen. Now, look, I live in a fallen world and I have an imperfect body and these things can happen, but I don't have to submit to them. See, eternal life, therefore, is being able to live above all the garbage that comes at us and being able to con conquer it. We're more than conquerors. Doesn't say you will be more than conquerors in heaven because in heaven there's not going to be anything to conquer. We're more than conquerors through him who loved us. We're more than conquerors now. Amen? And I just, I tell you what, that thing was, I said, Lord, in the name of Jesus, this cannot stand. I don't know what I did, but I, you know, I know whether I was, I still do some lifting. I said, I don't know whether I overdid it because I can do that from time to time. You know, I said, well, I think I'm going to increase the weight. <laughs> And then realize, well, wait a minute, don't move so fast. <laughs> but I said, Lord, no. And I tell you what, within 24 hours, just like right now, completely and totally healed. No problem whatsoever. Amen? Amen. Now, here again, that doesn't mean stuff can't come at you. But it means you don't have to submit to it because you're living now eternal life. Amen? See, there's a seed. Uh-oh, here we go. There's a seed down on the inside of me that is not going anywhere ever. I'm going to be with God forever. This body I live in is going to go because I'm going to get a brand new one. Amen. But the seed on the inside of me is eternal. And if I allow that power working in me to work, it'll get rid of hurting shoulders and headaches and, and all kinds of other stuff. Amen. 
Amen. Because the seed of eternal life, the Bible says we were born again, not by corruptible seed, but by incorruptible seed, which is the word of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. So look, having said that, now here's where I want to get into something you may not have heard before, but this is going to help you. Having said that, you need to understand that giving money is not merely giving currency, coin, bills. It's, that's not what it is. That, we think of it that way, but that's not what it is. Amen? Which is why, by the way, as a footnote, why? Because some people don't understand this. They think this is some sort of gimmick. But why giving money can produce a harvest in something other than giving money? Because if you reap what you sow, well, Bishop, if I give money, I reap money, right? Not necessarily. So let me explain. The reason why giving has a, an ability to produce harvest in other areas of life is when you give, you're not giving a paper, piece of paper currency. You're not giving a paper check that causes money to be deducted from your bank account. Money, the, the currency, the check is merely an expression of value and the value is the life force that you released that produced the money. The value is whatever you are doing that caused the money to come to you. See, money is just an expression of value. That's all it is. Now, before we got into the currency system that we're in now, before the modern world did that, Everybody, basically most people, did all of their trading by barter. Which meant that I need my, my wagon fixed, and here's a guy who knows how to fix the door on my barn. Uh, I, I, I know how to fix the door on somebody's barn. I fix my neighbor's barn. He comes over and fixes my wagon. It's value for value. Well, now you need somebody to fix the door, we got a shed with a broken door. You need somebody to fix the shed on your door. I don't go say, hey, listen, uh, I'll come over and preach a sermon for you. No, you take, you take, you take money, <laughs> amen? And you pay that person to come and do that job. And then that person takes that money and goes home and the water heater's broken and he takes that money and he goes and finds somebody who can come fix the water heater and pays him with the money I paid him. It's still trading, same deal but except we're doing it in a much more efficient way. Amen? Amen. So look, money frees you up from being limited to that barter system, but it's really the same thing because when we, people were bartering, they were saying, well, the value of you fixing my wagon is equal in my view to the value of me fixing your barn door, so we'll trade. My skill, my ability, my energy, uh, my time, my effort, in, in, in return for your skill, your ability, your time, your effort. Money is the same thing. But it just represents that. Rather than you going somewhere and doing something for someone, you, you put the money up because the money is the result of you going somewhere and doing something for somebody that produced the money. Amen? Amen. Amen. So when you give money, what you are giving is your energy, your work, your thought, your diligence, your discipline, your training, your skill, 
whatever it took to produce that, when you release that, that's what you're really releasing it. That's what you're really releasing. That's why money has the ability to produce more in a harvest than just more money. Because when you, you, you're releasing your life force, and it may be for a purpose other than I need some more money. Amen? Uh, I, a story of a, 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 that, that I know to be true uh, of, a, of, a, of a minister who he and his wife were trying to have a child. They were having a hard time, and the doctors were giving them all kinds of reports. And they really felt that the Lord had led them to sow a significant seed um, at a time that they felt they were ready and needed to do that. So they sowed a seed of $1,000 toward the birth of their child. And God put it in the heart of a minister to prophesy to them, this time next year, you're all going to have a baby. And you know what? They did. You said, well, see, because the $1,000 was not money per se. It was everything they had been doing with their lives to produce that seed. Amen. So they were able to direct that seed towards something. They weren't, they didn't, weren't looking for money. They weren't looking to get, you know, $100,000 or $5,000. They were looking for a baby. And they were releasing some of their life force, sacrifice, diligence, effort, believing God, saying, Lord, we want you to know we believe you and we're willing to release more of ourselves to just let you know that our faith is in this. Amen. Are you all with me? Amen. 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 So don't think of money as just a piece of paper. Think of it as what you did to produce that money, because that's what you're really giving. So when a tree drops a seed on the ground, amen, what is that tree dropping? That tree is dropping the life force in it that produced that seed. And what's going to grow up? Well, another tree is going to grow up, amen. Amen. If that seed gets watered, if that seed has good soil, because you see it all over, you see it around trees. You see how little, little uh, seeds that have been dropped by the tree of new trees are growing up right around the, the, the old tree, amen? Amen, amen. So likewise, when you're planting your life force into whatever God leads you to plant it in, what you're doing is you're dropping seed that is going to produce a harvest. Amen? Amen. Amen. You have, to, you have to see it that way. Now, look, this should give you a revelation of what Jesus was talking about in Matthew chapter 10, verse 42. I want you to look at that verse because you're going to see it, I think, with a fresh view. Matthew chapter 10, 42. Now, I'm going to read from the Amplified Version, but, but either any version you read from uh, is good. I'm going to read from the Amplified Version because I think it helps to define what Jesus identifies when he says, one of these little ones who believes in me. But Jesus in the Amplified Version says, whoever gives to one of these little ones in rank or influence, little in rank or influence, in other words, somebody seemingly insignificant, even a cup of cold water, because he is my disciple, surely I declare to you, he shall not lose his reward. Now, do you all get what I'm saying? What, then wait a minute, wait a minute. If, if seed time and harvest works the way we might think it works, well, you, what you should get is a lot of cold water. I mean, you say, you sow cold water, give me, I, Lord, I'm going to get a lot of cold water coming back to me. But no, no, it says he shall not lose his reward. Because what he did was he sowed a seed into somebody who is doing something for Jesus. And there's a harvest coming back. And in this case, the harvest is coming back is eternal life. 
Because basically what that means is that person opened up their heart to help the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God says, if you do that, I'm not going to forget you. Amen. Are you all you with me? Amen. Amen. Now, look. It's not just the cup of water. Let's let's think through this. When Jesus said that, you know what we think? And probably most of us have these refrigerators now. They got a dispenser on it. You can push, push a cup up there and it produces clean, pure water. That's not what it Remember, in Jesus' time, a cup of cool water meant taking a bucket down to the spring or out to the well, filling that bucket up, getting that bucket back to your house, and then dipping that water out for somebody. In other words, it wasn't just like we do now, turn on the faucet. See, people would have heard this differently at that time. Remember, Jesus met a woman at the well. What was she there? She was getting water to take back home. It was a much different process then than it is now. It was an investment of time and energy and effort to get that water. So when Jesus says, whoever gives one of these little ones who believe in me even so much as a cool cup of water, they would have understood, oh, wow, wow. So that effort that I put in to get that water, Jesus is saying, if I'm doing that to help his disciples, help his people, to help his kingdom, I'm not going to lose my reward. Amen? Amen. So you all, you all with me? So what the person gets back is not more water. They get back something spiritual because they've sown that water into a spiritual purpose. Amen? Amen. Amen. So now remember... Think about your giving differently. Don't think of it as just giving up currency or seeing your bank account diminish, but think of it as giving your life, giving your life force. Whatever it took to produce that money, that is what you are really ultimately releasing. Amen? So then now the question is then, well, what are you releasing your life force into? Right? That's the question then. What are you releasing your life force into? Look, we understand what a seed is and why giving a seed can be so powerful. But the question is, what's the seed going to? Because, of course, you're going to get different results depending on what you reap, what you sow into. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. So so look, think of giving in a different light. Just just meditate on that for a second and ask the question, Lord, what is it that you want me surrendering my life force for? You know, Jesus talked about this. Remember, he said, whoever finds his life. And then, and, and then did he not say, Where's your, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also? And that word finds means whoever grabs hold of and seeks to control and maintain and, and covet in other words, his life for his purposes or her life for her purposes will lose it. But whoever loses, meaning surrenders it, sheds it, shares it abroad for my sake, will find it. It will be enhanced. Isn't it the same principle? It's, the, it's still the sowing and reaping principle, isn't it? Amen? Amen. And here you are sowing your life force and you are reaping more life. Jesus said, you'll find your life. Amen. Are you all with me? Praise God. You may have to meditate on this one a little bit. So 
So let, let's, let's then take this a step further then. You all remember the story of David in, uh, in 2 Samuel chapter 24 when David, uh, against the will of God, numbered the children of Israel. We're probably all familiar with that story. Got in trouble with God for doing so. God sent a plague, 70,000 people died. And David pled with God and said, Lord, you know, I, I, it was my mistake. Don't punish the people for it. And God told David to make a sacrifice. And he told him where to go. He told him to go to Arauna's place and turn his threshing floor into an altar and make a sacrifice there. So David did that. He went to Arauna's. And, and, and when he got there, Arauna saw the king. He loved David and said, King, I, I'll give you everything you need. You know, I'll, I'll supply the, the, the oxen. I'll supply the floor. You, you can have it all. And this was David's response. No, but I will buy it of, of you for a price. He said, I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God of that which costs me nothing. It wouldn't have been his life force. It would have been Arauna's. And David said, no, I don't want that. This has got to come from me. And so David brought the threshing floor, it says, and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. Now, you'll get different answers, but one of the possible answers for 50 shekels of silver in David's time was it, worth, it was worth a year's wages, a significant sum of money. So David was saying, I, I'm, no, I, I'm not going to release something that I have not sacrificed to get, that I have not paid any price to get. I want to give God something that really has meaning for me. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, so look. David was described as a man after God's own heart, right? So he understood God. I believe David understood God as well as Moses or Elijah did. I mean, the Bible really lauds David. Amen? So this is David's insight. A gift to God that costs me nothing is not honored by God and is worthless to me. Now look, saints. I think there are a lot of Christians who think that when they throw God a dollar or something, they've done him a favor. And they, they, they really, you know, they want to be patted on the back for it. But, you know, what I really believe this, this is, is teaching us is this. It is the giving that costs us something that God honors. Now, I told you, I gave you all the illustration. I reached a certain point with my, my wife and I've been giving. And then I reached that break point. I thought, whoa, 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 whoa. Because, see, I, I realized something. That it wasn't hurting me. I mean, it wasn't no big deal. You know, there was a time when it would have been, but it's not now. And God said, what, what, what about crossing that threshold? I said, okay, Lord. See, because if it's not costing me anything, I'm not really honoring God with it. Amen? Amen. That's why I, I, I said to my leadership recently, I said, you know, the, the, the old covenant teaches tithing. I said, but we as Christians ought to see that as, a, as, a, as the bottom line. We ought to see that as the minimum. We ought to see that as a starting point. Because the Bible says we've got a better covenant based on better promises. Now, it doesn't not like it's required of us. Or, you know, I'm saying, you, 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 I, I require this of you. No, nothing like that. I'm just saying that because we have a different relationship with God based on him indwelling us in intimacy with him, he is our father. Our desire ought to be to do more than what he just requires. Glory to God. Now, look, 
I saw something as a result of this that I, I'd never saw, seen before. I mean, how many of us have heard, because I, and I have to admit, I probably said it myself, you know, whatever you give to God, you'll get the hundredfold return.